Hello, I'm Evan Molson. Welcome to Youth Radio on KUNM 89.9 Albuquerque, Santa Fe. And I'm Nina Lee. Today we have a segment on the new movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We also have a segment on youth stereotyping. Coming up later in the show is our weekly calendar with Avikra and Joseph. We also have a great round of music set up by our music hosts, Rachel and Mars. But for now, here's Rachel. Hello, um, I'm Rachel. Um, coming up, we have two songs from the old school and the new Charlie and Chocolate Factory soundtrack. Um, Oompa Loompa and Mike TV. Um, contributed by Michael. again and part of the youth radio collective recently saw the new movie charlie and the chocolate factory we have decided to hold a discussion on what we thought of the new movie my panelists are tracy wes and michael today so how many of you have read the book charlie and the chocolate factory i've read it but it's been an, it's been a while since i last read it mm-hmm. so i, I kind of lost memory on it <laughs> <laughs> Wes have you read it that's in fact I have read it um but it's been a really 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 long time since I've actually read it so <laughs> and Michael I read it um about um a few weeks before it came out so I read it this summer a few weeks before the new movie came out yeah yeah not the old one <laughs> <laughs> that's that's in the 70s um so those of you that have seen it, Tracy and Michael, did you think that the new movie was more loyal to the book than the old movie? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I really liked how their new songs um, used the, the lyrics from the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big part that I really liked. That one was, that part was um, really good. I thought it, in general, was more loyal to the book, the settings the feeling of it the um the kids even though they have different um kind of things that they really like it was it was still a lot like the book in that way and it changed the moral but other than that i was actually happier with that comparing it to the original book and wes have you seen the old movie as well um yes i have seen the old movie yeah and so we've all seen the old movie here so um what did you think of the old movie as compared to the new one? Or what did you think of the old movie in your case, Wes? Um, I really liked the old movie. Um, it was really creative. 
I haven't seen the new one, but um, I really want to because I like the directing of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I think it would just, you know, add the f- a new flavor almost to, or a new perspective per se, to what um, uh, the author of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would have, you know, wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tracy, what did you what did you think of the two movies? I liked them both. Um, when I was younger, I did like the old one. I still do like the old one. Um, I did like the new one because of like the visual effects and everything and how it did really was more like the book, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Michael, you probably know more about this than all of us. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I like the old one and. When I used to, I used to watch it all the time when I was a little kid. The video that we recorded of it's like worn out now, but um, <clears throat> I really did. I really liked the new one a lot better. It was more true to the book. It was more the style. It was. It took Tim Burton really took a risk with it too, with the mm-hmm. idea that it was a remake, because a lot of people out there are saying that Hollywood is just out of ideas, and this is just one way to prove it is that they're reusing something that's already been turned into a movie. But this one's done. Way it had a lot more to it that could be done. The special effects, like in the original, they couldn't do the goal, they couldn't do the squirrels jumping on Veruca because you can't train squirrels to do that. <laughs> so instead, they had to change the whole sequence. So I was really happy with how Tim Burton took good advantage of that, of having special effects to use. That was really what impressed me. Yeah, something that I'm surprised that none of you mentioned is uh, Gene Wilder in that movie. I mean, everyone knows that he's Willy Wonka. And it's just, in the two movies, there was such a huge difference between Willy Wonka styles, as it were, and between Johnny Depp and uh, Gene Wilder. And uh, Gene Wilder's performance in the original was amazing, and how do you, how would you guys compare that compare those two performances well the <laughs> um i think the first one gene wilder he was more of the um you mean like the sarcastic kind of side yeah yeah <laughs> and um this johnny depp playing um willy wonka in the newest movie he was more of the guy where he was actually like stuck in the factory and like never seen people and his um how he spoke was just like not um correct I mean he didn't know how yeah he was pretty creepy wasn't he yeah <laughs> he's really rude too <laughs> that yeah. was a big part of it because he's been locked up in a factory for 15 years and I think Johnny Depp takes risks with all of his roles mm-hmm but this probably was one of his most dangerous, actually, because it's already been done by somebody who did it perfectly the first time and everybody liked it. And it was it was new. It was a completely new take on the character. And everybody liked that he did it different, but they were kind of risky about the fact that he looks like Michael Jackson. He acted like Michael Jackson. But it takes, for me, it took a few times to see it, to get it out of that mindset and realize, well, of course he's going to. He's pale. He's been in a factory for 15 years doesn't know how to talk to people he's lived in his imagination all his life so he's going to act like a child so Mm, yeah and Wes you haven't seen the new movie but uh 
What do you have to say about Gene Wilder? Um, Gene Wilder, he was, you know, he was a master at Willy Wonka. Um, he kind of played it out really well. But what I'm from what I'm getting from Michael and Tracy is that the new Willy Wonka and the old Willy Wonka were like the best of both worlds as into into the book. You know, they both played they both displayed different aspects of Willy Wonka that, you know, yeah, they were just totally different. But, you know, they were kind of also the same from like in the book as original version. But it was the best, like, you know, both worlds. So, yeah, like Gene Wilder was the more sing song, sarcastic, crazy guy. And Johnny Depp was the antisocial bleach skin lunatic. (laughs) Both (laughs) variations on Willy Wonka. And also the Oompa Loompas. Have gone through many, many phases, as <laughs> Michael and you all probably know, but Michael knows very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we've talked about this, but a lot of people out there don't know that the original book, the first edition of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Oompa Loompas, were actually little African pygmies that um, Willy Wonka had illegally imported from Africa. And I was lucky enough to find an edition of this. He treat, And he treats them well. But he really makes it out to be that he saved them from this disgusting, awful place. And really, in the 70s, in America, people began to notice that when it was released here. And um, that kind of changed Roald Dahl's view on it. And he decided that there's, there's a difference in how society was when he first wrote the book and how it is now, or how it was then, rather, and how it is now, really. So he actually rewrote... Um, the book for the release of Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, he rewrote the first book with the Oompa Loompas so that they were um, white-skinned hippies with rosy cheeks. <laughs> and green hair. Well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and then, and then in the old movie with Gene Wilder, it, they are carrots. Yeah, pretty much. They were different in that, too. That was not taken from the book, and, and the stuff they said was not taken from the book. Mm-hmm. The, only, the, the only There was very little taken from the book in the original. Like, everything Willy Wonka says is practically a quote from Shakespeare in the original. <laughs> but in the new one, he actually says things that he said. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and Wes, <laughs> what do you think about like the change in Oompa Loompa color appearance? speaking style i guess um i guess it's just a change with times you know what i mean mm-hmm. um as i guess i guess like as the movie or the the whole story of willy wonka goes on it just like changes each time like a i guess the story like if you told it orally you know what i mean different mm-hmm. aspects of it will be changed you know to fit the times so yeah and then also something that you saw a lot of in the new movie and you saw very little of in the old movie was slapstick humor Mm. like willie throwing the card over his shoulder slamming into the elevator three (laughs) times twice yeah twice twice. it's still funny (laughs) it's it's hilarious yeah that that was um that was i mean that the girl who played veruca Mm -hmm. she had to pretend that all these squirrels are like trying to kill her that is a hard <laughs> thing to do and then the, the squirrels were dragging her along yeah it was a lot more 
active. It was a lot more like the Augustus falling into the river. Violet's part when she blows up like a blueberry was all CG animated. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was it was a lot more slapstick in this one. Okay, well, we're right now just about out of time. So we thank you for listening to our discussion about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'd like to thank my panelists, Tracy, Wes, and Michael. And we're going to go out with a sound clip of a line from the new movie that we thought was absolutely hilarious. You can eat the grass. Of course you can. Everything in this room is eatable. Even I'm eatable. But that is called cannibalism, my dear children, and is in fact frowned upon in most societies. Hello, we're back to the music section again. I'm Rachel. Um, the, we have three songs playing next, but our first song is Gone Going by Black Eyed Peas, and it was contributed by Tracy. So. Johnny wanna be a big star, get on stage and play the guitar, make a little money by a fancy car, a big old house and an alligator. To match with them alligator shoes He's a rich man so he's no longer singing the blues He's singing songs about material things And platinum rings and watches that go blink But diamonds don't blink in the dark He a star now but he ain't singing You were just listening to Gone Going by Black Eyed Peas Now we're listening to The Sun God by High Tech And that was contributed by Mars Come on Come on just listening to the sun god by high tech and now we're listening to life ain't easy by cleopatra contributed by me rachel life ain't easy gonna change don't just listen You just listened to Life Ain't Easy by Cleopatra, and now we're going to turn it over to Mina for our next segment. The group who participates in school and community activities and spends more than $150 billion a year are the 26% who cannot vote and are supposed to be seen and not heard. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 68 million people in the United States who are under the age of 18 make up that 26%. The Youth Radio Collective wanted to put together a piece about how people under the age of 18 are stereotyped. First of all, what is a stereotype? A stereotype is an idea or assumption of a person or group of people that is based on a trait of the person or group's behavior or appearance. I asked members of the collective how they are stereotyped by adults. Oh man, adults are stereotyping youth all the time. Like When I go to my English class and I write an essay and they're just like, oh, it's just another... another uh, crazy teenager he doesn't know anything about about Chaucer that I don't know 
So I don't even need to pay attention. I'm just going to give him a B plus, and he'll be happy. Or like when I go in, into art class and I, I create something and they're like, oh, it's just another silly drawing. But that's not true because youth are, are all about creating something that's new, something that's fresh and never been seen before. And sometimes adults don't realize that because it, just because it doesn't fit into their little bubble that, you know, maybe, maybe it is something, something fresh and new. And they, sometimes they don't give that any credence just because we're, we're youth. Um, I've been stereotyped a lot because I've been in organizing youth organizing for like three years now. I guess I'm pretty advanced, well, experienced with youth organizing, so when I meet adults who aren't experienced and are kind of new, I recognize the way that they're stereotyping right off the bat. Like, when you're talking to them, they automatically kind of like jump in and try to say what you're trying to say. Like, you know, like if, you're, if they feel that you're not explaining yourself adequately, then they just jump in and be like, do you mean this? It's like, well, yeah, but I can say it myself, you know what I'm saying? And also, uh, just with older adults who have been in organizing a lot and have had a lot of training around how to work with youth, they sometimes forget how to like hide that they're using their training techniques on you, I guess. Like, and they're like, like, it sounds like they're talking from a book, kind of. And it's like, okay, like, you know? They might ask you, so how are you feeling today? And it's kind of generic. So you're like, uh, fine. You don't really talk to them and get to know them. A lot of them will ride me off, say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you know, you're, you're, you're a young person. You don't have any experience with this. You, know, you need more birthdays before you can actually know what we're talking about. Um, as far as personal, sometimes my parents will brush off um, that that and they also sometimes they'll accuse me of being selfish when I'm not meaning to be selfish, which is uh, that is difficult a lot of the times too. That's very difficult. A lot of adults don't realize how the youth feel about being stereotyped. I asked members of Youth Radio how they feel when they're stereotyped. Well, it made me look at them differently now. I mean, I don't res I don't appreciate them like how I thought I did. Okay. I just don't consider them as friends anymore. Belittled, um, looked down upon like somehow uh, what I have to say doesn't matter as much just because I'm not the same age as them. Can you sort of give me an example of that? I'm thinking because there's one teacher that I had last year who I do kind of like, but she does have that type of attitude. So I guess I won't mention her on air then, but she said that youth weren't as aware as adults, that that type of thing came with experience, which may be true, but many of the adults that I've seen can be just as oblivious, if not more, than other particular young people like teenagers or elementary schoolers or whatever age. Why are youth being stereotyped by adults? Because we so easily fall into stereotypes. Like, we're so affected by the media. I think sometimes that adults just automatically assume that all youth are just like these consumers, consumers, consumers. And so, like, 
they just automatically expect you to listen to a certain type of music or dress a certain type of way, I guess. And so when you don't, you're breaking this stereotype. Have you ever had an experience well, where an adult has stereotyped you? Not, not me, personally, because I usually recognize if they're stereotyping, just try to speak uh, as they're speaking or better so to show them that I can I am not one of their stereotypical youth. One of our collective members told us we need to stop t- whining about being the victims of stereotypes. When this topic was brought to the Youth Radio Collective, this is how they responded. Growing up in elementary school, I had a real close set of friends, like five good, good friends that we like always were together all the time. Once you get to high school, things change. You start liking different music, you like different things, so you drift away from that friendship or whatever, and you start stereotyping each other, like saying, you know, they're the good girls or they're the bad rockers, you know, little group. Hoodlums who go out and vandalize their property, and, and you know, drink and smash into them with their our cars. Jocks. Just because I play basketball, people kind of just stereotype me as a jock. Nerds. Uh, geeks. Oh, you're Asian. That means you're good at math. Or, oh, you're Asian. That means you're good at ping pong. Cheerleaders. It's the way the person dresses or the person talks or just the attitude they carry with them. I kind of stereotype them as being, you know, vain or, you know, Kind of just silly, I guess. If they goof off in class, you know, they're just like the class clown that just messes around all day in class. You know, I just stereotype, you know. Students who have goofed off before have been known to get that a little more from the teachers and be targeted for bigger things in the school, like be under suspicion for vandalism. The normal kids. If I'm tired that day or grumpy, they'll say, oh such a teenager, Michael. I guess I'm a normal kid. What we have to say isn't really important. That we don't know as much as them. And we have less to contribute to any given conversation than they do just because they're older. I want to talk about how youth stereotypes the youth. When I first came to this group, I was sort of like, oh, well, when I first walked in, there's a lot of younger kids and from middle school, and I had already went through the whole school thing, and It was just like, I'm going to come in here with these, you know, little kids pretty much. And when you stereotype them, it's sort of hard for yourself, but they do it to you. So it's sort of like you have to, like, defend yourself. You're listening to Youth Radio 89.9 KUNM. You've just heard a piece put together by the Youth Radio Collective about stereotypes. We should be aware of our stereotypes and how people react to them. You have any thoughts... Sorry. If you have any thoughts about what you've heard, please send them to KUNM.org slash youth radio. Next, more music. Here's Mars. Hello out there. This is Mars. Right now I'm playing you a song by Lincoln Park, Faint.
All right, that song was for Lucia. That's that's in the station right now. And next, we have Shamika Copland with Breaking Out for Rachel. That was Shamika Copland with Breaking Out, your personal favorite by Rachel. Next is Gorillas, Tomorrow Comes Today by myself, Mars. You're listening to Youth Radio 89.9. Our next song is by Stone Temple Pilots by Felicia. Um, Interstate Love. That was Stone Temple Pilots' Interstate Love Song. Next, we have our calendar with Joe and Evrika. Good evening. This is Youth Radio Weekly Calendar for September 18th, 2005, and I'm Evrika. And I'm Joseph Savage. Free all-ages poetry slam at Winning Coffee House the third Wednesday of every month. Sign-up is at 7 o'clock p.m. And still ongoing is the Southwest Gay and Lesbian Film Festival that ends on the 22nd. For more information, call 243-1870. Join New Mexico AIDS Services for Family Fun. Come to the 2005 AIDS Walk. It will be held at UNM's Johnson Field on Saturday, September 24th. For more information, contact 938-7143 or register online at www.nmas.net. There will be some great all-ages shows at the Sunshine Theater coming up. Chevelle with special guest Taproot and the Black Maria will be jamming on September 20th at 7 o'clock p.m. And last but not least, the Hip Hop Fest featuring KRS-One, Guru of Gangstar, Black Alicious, Cool Keith, and Isham will be gripping the mic on Friday, September 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. Check out Albuquerque Little Theater's Man of La Mancha performances will be held on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at 8 p.m. A Sunday matinee on September 25th at 2 p.m. For ticket information, call the box office at 242-4750. For all you art lovers, come experience the Downtown Albuquerque Arts Festival 2005. It will be held on September 22nd to the 25th on Gold Avenue. Get a sneak peek at www.downtownabq.com. Monday 19th, Weapons of Mass Destruction, Jealous Gods, One for Hope, Baked and Feels Like Sunday, along with others, will all perform at the launch pad. The proceeds will benefit Hurricane Katrina victims. The All Ages show is from 6 to 11 p.m. 
the, the International Extreme Musical Festival is Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m., also at the lunch pad. Another all-ages show that you might not want to miss is the alternative rock band Emery, who will be coming through to New Mexico. The concert is on September 22nd at the launch pad. Doors open at 7 o'clock p.m. For more information, visit the website at www.launchpadrocks.com. Kapuli Iskali will put on a street theater workshop on September 24th, September 24th and October 1st. Come and learn about the annual mobilization of the U.S.-Mexico border and make puppets for justice. Please remember that you can contact us with your announcements for next week by logging on to kunm.youthradio.org. We take announcements through Thursday before our Sunday program. I'm Joseph Savage. And I'm Avika Lucky. And let's not forget that it's Kyle Ferris's birthday. Let's wish him a happy 16th. Thank you for listening to Youth Radio on 89.9 KUNM, Albuquerque, Santa Fe. We had production help today from our producer, Kyle Ferris. Co-producer, Lucia Martinez. Our engineer, Luis Martinez. Your hosts, Evan Molson and Mina Lee. Our music hosts, Rachel Fawcett and Marsh Chalon. Our calendar hosts, Avika Lucky and Joseph Savage. And our panelists for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory discussion, Tracy Tram, Michael Harley, and Wes Barber. We'd also like to acknowledge our adult co-conspirators, Roberta Rael, Paul Ingalls, Chris Pino, and Marcos Martinez, and Steve Emmons. You can email us your comments and questions at youthradio at kunm.org. You can also go to our website at kunm.org slash youthradio. Please tune in next week on Sunday at 7 p.m. Support for Youth Radio on KUNM is provided by the New Cycle Foundation of Santa Fe.